So the scripture has in it a lot of agricultural language because like set in Bible times, life was pretty simple, hey? It wasn't complex like life is today. Um, you know, a lot of subsistence farming, you know, life wasn't very complicated. So the Bible uses a lot of agricultural language because people could grasp what was trying to be said through those illustrations and truths. So the Bible says, Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. And that's contrasted with, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in God. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. It le- its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. So there's this sort of this expectation in Scripture that, that we're going to thrive as the people of God, individually and corporately, that if we you know, put the investment into our lives of sowing into the things that are righteous, we'll reap righteous lives. And the Bible's pretty black and white about that, doesn't mince words. But there's all this agricultural language in Scripture trying to explain spiritual truths. And the Scriptures use words like flourish, fruit, growth, pruning, blossoming, nourishing, fertiliser, water, cultivating, feed, sowing, planting, reaping, harvesting, composting, nourishment, seeds, sprouting, sapling, root. You get the idea. It's all language about us sucking the life of God into us and because we're feeding off God, we've, we've got lives that are growing. We can resist, we can stand firm, we'll grow up to be, not trees literally, but in the, in the spiritual sense, we will be strong. And most of you will know this um, parable that Jesus used. A farmer went to sow seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. And some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. And other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. And still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty or thirty times what was sown. Now a lot of us have heard that parable in the context of evangelism, right? Go and share the gospel where the, the, the ground is fertile, where God's already at work. And then, you know, the gospel will be heard, it'll be received in the hearts of the people, and they'll respond to God and get saved. That is true. But this has a much wider principle to it. This is about our lives and us sowing into our lives in such a way that the investment that we're putting in reaps a harvest 30, 60, or 100 fold. And so when we talk about you know, the Christian life and, and, and pursuing God and, and doing the things in our life that will make us grow, we often forget the fact that it's the soil that's the key. Because if you sow into the right soil, you'll get the growth that you need. You sow into the wrong soil, you're not going to get life coming out of that ground. I don't know how many of you have driven up to Wandon or somewhere like that where the soil's really rich and, you know, that's where all the, the blueberries are and the cherries and the peaches because the soil's good. You come down a packet and I'm not sure if Simon could probably tell us it's not that good, is it, mate? That's why there's no, there's no orchards down here. But when the Bible talks about the soil, it's talking about our hearts and our, what, what our heart is like. And that 
parable, the heavy emphasis of the parable is sowing in good soil so that the seed can germinate. And so the soil is really our hearts. What sort of condition are our hearts in to receive the word of God? Yes, that applies to salvation, but it also applies to everything else that happens day by day, hour by hour. If God speaks, are our hearts ready to respond? So the quality of the soil is an analogy for the state of our heart. So if God speaks and says, Ben, I want you to go to the mission field, if Ben's heart isn't right, he's not going to receive that word. He won't take root. And so our hearts are something that we need to ask, how are they? So if we're setting out to have a year where we thrive, everything we endeavour to do will be determined by the condition of our heart. That's why the Bible says, above all else, above everything else that you do, guard your heart. Because it's the wellspring of life. So if our hearts aren't right, it doesn't matter what we do in terms of human effort. I mean, we can read the Bible back to front. We can go to every prayer meeting. We can go to 55 church services. But if our hearts aren't right, that's a wasted exercise because it's like throwing the seed on the concrete. It doesn't take root. And if our lives are caught up in the world and we come to church on Sunday, but the rest of the week we ignore God, that's a little bit like that parable because the parable gave four different analogies that could apply. The seed on the path, a hard heart. We know there's lots of hard hearts in our nation. People don't want to talk spiritual language. They don't want to hear about Jesus. They don't want to hear about sin. They don't want to know about living a righteous life because their hearts are hard. Some people have a wounded heart. They've been hurt by church or, you know, um, stuff's happened in their life where being able to love God, being able to love other people, being able to be in community, being able to receive from God is difficult to do because their hearts are wounded. It's hard to grasp those spiritual truths. It's hard to walk in freedom because those people have been genuinely hurt or mistreated. And so you might plant something in their life, but it won't last because the woundedness will strip it away. And, and Jesus was saying there's a lot of people in life that are like that. They might have a, a good season in their life, but really they're not going to last the distance. The soil is shallow, shallow. There's other soil where it was weedy. And it's a little bit like us trying to live half a life in the Christian world and half a life in the, in the, in, in the world itself, and we're caught between who we really are. And so we get choked out by the pressures of the world. We get choked out by the busyness of life and, and all the seed that we've been planting doesn't reap a harvest because we're choked by the world, the worries of the world, anxieties of the world. And the Bible's saying God wants a soft heart. Remember when God sent Samuel to anoint the greatest king in human history, David. And Samuel turns up and he looks at all the sons of Jesse and he sees how strong and handsome and great they are. But God says, Samuel, don't look at the outward appearance, look at their heart. The heart is what I look at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. And God's looking for soft hearts. And everywhere in Scripture where we see God use people, it's not because they were brilliant people, that they had degrees or whatever. It's because their heart, here I am, Lord, said Isaiah, send me. It was a heart condition that enabled God to speak into their lives and that seed took root. And if you look through Scripture, all the time God's using this agricultural language to the Israelite people saying, get out your plough 
and, and, and stir up the fellow ground of your heart. Now, Simon could probably give this message a lot better than I could because he's a farmer and he understands land and he understands planting crops. But what I do know about, about, about planting and sowing is that you don't just throw seed out on the top of the ground. You've got to cultivate that ground to get the seed in. No good throwing it just out on, on, on any old ground. The birds will come and eat it. It won't get in. The sun will scorch it. It's got to have ground stirred up. And when the ground's stirred up, you can plant the seed. And God's saying to us as individuals, how's your heart? Is it a heart where God can plant into or is it hard? So God said, this is what the Lord said to the people of Judah and Jerusalem. Plough up the hard ground of your hearts. Do not waste your good seed among the thorns. And so this constant recurring theme throughout Scripture of our hearts being in the right place. And, you know, we can, we can endeavour to do that with all our human strength. You know, we can, we can get up every morning, we can read the Bible, we can have a prayer life, we can be involved in ministry, we can come to church. You think about the collective knowledge that we have in this room in terms of spiritual things. How many books that could we say we've read together? How many sermons have we all heard? So this is not a question of knowledge, is it? Because we've got the knowledge. We've, 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 we've planted seeds in our life. We've read the scriptures. We've prayed. We've come to church. So there's, there's seed already in the ground. But are we really reaping the harvest that we're supposed to? And I think the big struggle that we have is that we forget part of the growth process we're responsible, but the other half of the growth process God is responsible for. And we need to get the balance right. Let me explain what I'm saying. This is from Scripture. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we might, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family God. Do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. This is like God saying, I'm going to stake my whole reputation on this truth. I set up the universe. I set up the world. I set up the way the principles and the truths apply. If you reap righteously into the spirit, you'll reap good things. If you reap, if you sow into the flesh, you won't. And it's a, it's a life principle that God won't be mocked about. So if you're a person with a heart after God, don't become weary in doing good because God is promising you that you will reap a harvest. But anybody who knows anything about tilling the ground and planting seeds, it takes time. It's hard work. Being a farmer is not fun. But you know the one thing the farmer can't control? He can plough the ground, he can fertilise it, he can put the seed in, but he can't make it rain. So a lot of us are trying to plant, we're trying to stir up the ground, we're getting everything ready, but we've forgotten to look to heaven for the rain. Now, I want to teach you something really significant today. The Bible talks about two types of rain, the former rain and the latter rain. In Bible times, the farmer would never even consider planting a thing until it rained. When it rained, he would stir the soil up, he would take his seed, he would put it in the ground. It had to rain first. 
That was the trigger point. And then when he knew that there was moisture in the ground, he'd put the seeds in because he knew that would give the plant an initial chance to thrive. But there had to be ladder rain. It was no good for the seed to be in the ground at the start and the soil be moist because over time it would dry out. So there had to be showers of grace that kept coming to keep that crop enabling to grow. And exactly the same principle applies to us as believers. We are supposed to be showered on by the Spirit of God at the point of our salvation. God waters our hearts. He brings our spirits alive. He enables us to grow because His Spirit has touched us. That's the precursor to working out our faith. So many people try and work out their faith without receiving the initial soaking of their spirit to plant into. So the Christian life becomes a dry, difficult journey because they didn't receive the water of the spirit at the very beginning. And you all know, you've heard my testimony, that that was what my life was like. Raised in a conservative church, the spirit of God was never talked about. We were just told to do, do this, do that. Read this, read that, got to do this, got to do that. All those things are great. We need to do those things, but... But, but it's a foolish exercise unless our hearts have been watered by the Spirit of God in the very beginning. Then all those things that we do take on a different dimension because they're flowing out of the river of God. They're flowing out of the wellspring that's bubbling up within us. That's the starting point and God will continue to shower us as we journey through life and, and we're always fresh and we're always alive in God. So tilling the fallow ground of our hearts is hard work, but once the soil is broken, it's easy to manipulate. So if we're going to thrive, we need our hearts to be fertile ground that God can plant into easily, ground that we cultivate, we dig, we hoe it up. God's not going to make us read the Bible. God's not going to make us pray. God's not going to make us worship. God's not going to do the things that he's called us to do. But we only do those things because we're doing them out of the freshness of the Spirit, the vitality out of the Spirit, because then it would only be a works program. And God doesn't want us to work. He wants us to soak. There's a big difference. He wants us to soak in the Spirit of God. So be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop patiently waiting for the autumn and the spring rains, the former and the latter rains. So we can strive after the things of God. We can be like a farmer who does all the hard work. But that farmer has to wait for the heavens to open for that crop to grow. He has to wait for the rain to come. Now, we've got smart in the modern era, haven't we? We've built irrigation channels and we can get pumps now and we can, we can irrigate our land. But in those days, he was powerless to receive his income and to prosper until the heavens open. And it's a spiritual principle. We need open heavens over us. And God's promised that to us. We're not striving after something that God hasn't already done. God said, those who believe in me, out of their inner being will flow living water. What was Jesus talking about? He was talking about the outpouring of the Spirit of God upon the lives and the hearts of ordinary people like you and me so that we weren't under law anymore. Like the Old Testament's just hard work, people. 
law after law after rule after rule after do after do after do. And those people were getting worn out because the law was such a hard taskmaster. And Jesus said, look, it's going to be a different thing. I'm going to fill you with my spirit. And then all those things you have to do, you actually do out of a sense of wonder and awe and worship and desire to follow God, not because someone's whipping you to say you must do this. And so it changes the landscape. It changes the agriculture of our heart. So we need living water of the Holy Spirit. We need rain. Now, we've got some Fijian brothers down the back here. When it rains in Fiji, it's not like Melbourne. They don't stick their umbrella up and they run for cover. In Fiji, they call it a rain bath. They actually go outside and just stand in the rain. And the Fijians aren't scared of rain. They're not like Melbourneites like us. We disappear for cover. They don't care if they get wet. In fact, they like it. And we need to be a people that learn not just to do, 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 but we need to learn to sit and soak in what God has already done for us, what he's already promised us, so that out of those living waters, out of God's presence, power flows. Ask the Lord for rain in the springtime. It is the Lord who sends the thunderstorms. He gives showers of rain to all people and plants of the field to everyone. Yes, it has an agricultural setting, but it also is a spiritual principle. We need to thrive. Anyone, any one of you who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. So there is spiritual work that we must do to reap the fullness of a righteous life. If I'm going to sow into my flesh, if I'm going to be bitter, if I'm going to be resentful, if I'm going to be unforgiving, if I'm going to waste my life away, then I'm going to reap out of that investment. But if we till our hearts, if we pursue spiritual disciplines and position ourselves to grow, We only do that after the soaking of our hearts at the very beginning where the Spirit of God has been poured out upon us. To plant without rain will result in a stunted crop, dry and barren and parched. And I've seen so many Christians struggle to survive, not to thrive, just to survive because they're not flowing in the river of God. Any of you that have read the Old Testament know that there's a river that flows from the throne of God and that theme's picked up in Revelation again and it's an analogy for the work of the Spirit and the life of God. And so we need life, people. We can't have life. Things can't grow unless there's life and that life comes from where? From God. And so we can can do Christian stuff. We can do the hard yards of, of ministry, but isn't it much better to do that out of this blessing of God? That's why Jesus said to his apostles, wait here until you receive the gift that I promised you, the Holy Spirit. Now go and do the ministry. Not before, now. Why? Because you're spirit-filled. There's life in you, an abundant life that doesn't snuff out, that doesn't run out of energy, because it's the life of God in us. So we need the initial reign of the Holy Spirit's anointing. And out of that saturation, rivers of living water flow to sustain our faith life and to make it vibrant. That's the principle. 
We constantly draw from the presence of the Spirit in our lives to drench our lives so that worship and prayer and Scripture are all flowing out of the dynamic of the Holy Spirit's presence overflowing in the moment, in the instant. It's spontaneous. It's not stale stuff we're drawing from. It's, it's, I don't know how to explain it. I honestly don't know how to explain this principle because unless you experience it, it makes no sense. But I can tell you what it's like to try and achieve the Christian life without the Spirit of God. I can testify to that. And I can testify to the difference that it made when I was baptised in the Spirit and suddenly a whole new lease of life came over my pursuit of God. It changed everything. I wasn't weary anymore. I wasn't tired. Things took on a whole new perspective. There was life and enthusiasm and, and spontaneity and all sorts of stuff happened because there was suddenly life within me. Whereas before, I think I was just like a whitewashed tomb. You know, looked good on the outside, but inside, there hadn't been the reign of the Spirit of God. There hadn't been that immersing in the things of God. So the Bible uses this word that... Uh, this idea that we're charismatic Pentecostal Christians. But all those words come back to an encounter with the Spirit of God. They're birthed out of that anointing of God, the presence of God in the hearts of human people. So wherever rain is, it generates life. And we need the life of the Spirit. You all know this story. Jesus is ministering. These guys have a crippled friend. The house where Jesus is is totally full and no one can get in. And these guys know if they can get their friend to Jesus, he's going to get healed. So what do they do? They bash a hole in the roof. Ed knows about that because he fell through the ceiling at church the other day, nearly landed in the toilet. I'm sorry, Ed, for laughing, but it was really funny, mate. <laughs> We need a church that has life so that people are trying to break down the door to get in here because they know that's where the healing will come. They know that's where Jesus is. They know where the Spirit of God is. That's the sort of church I want to be a part of where people are breaking through the ceiling because they know if they get to where Jesus is, there's life. And if they hang around these people, there's life. There's life. It's not coming from us. It's coming from God. But we're smart enough to know I could do all this work and still miss the blessing unless it's bookmarked, bookend by spirit, work, spirit. <laughs> That's how it works. Got to start in the spirit. We do the works of God's kingdom, but we're constantly showered upon. We need life, people. Personally and corporately, we need to be about the life of God. I read this the other day and I'm not always into all the prophecies that are going around and I think you need to be pretty shrewd about what you read and take on board. But there's always been this, this idea floating around that in the end times there would be the latter reign of God, like God will pour out his spirit in greater abundance at the end times. I'm not sure that scripture stacks that up. Um, But I believe this is a very true statement. I saw that no one could share the refreshing unless they obtained the victory over every besetment, which is sin, over pride, over selfishness, love of the world, and over every wrong word and action. That's what we call tilling our hearts. We do the stuff to make sure we're, 
we're in the right place with God. So let us run the race and free ourselves of the sin that so easily entangles us. So the idea is God is saying, we as a people of God have a responsibility to cultivate our hearts so that God can plant. We should therefore be drawing nearer and nearer to the Lord and be earnestly seeking that preparation necessary to enable us to stand in the battle of the day of the Lord. It is nonsensical for us to live in the world, walking here on a Sunday morning, expect to have lovely encounters with God. The principle's not right. We're not sowing the right things into our life to achieve that outcome. We have to have lives that are immersed in God hour by hour, day by day, week by week. And everyone goes, oh, Mark, that sounds like so much hard work. Yes, it is, unless it's done in the Spirit. (laughs) That's what I'm trying to get through to you. Christianity is just plain hard work without the Spirit of God. And God must get so frustrated with us saying, just soak in my Spirit. It's all there for you. Why are you striving? You don't strive to thrive. You just soak. When you soak and you're full, then you can work. But we want to get on with the task, but we don't get on with the task until we're spirit-filled and spirit-led. So we have to earnestly seek the preparation necessary to enable us to stand in the battle in the day of the Lord. It's left with us to remedy the defects in our characters, to cleanse the soul temple of every defilement, then the latter rain will fall upon us as the early rain fell upon the disciples at the day of Pentecost. There is nothing that Satan fears so much as the people of God shall clear the way by removing every hindrance so that the Lord can pour out his spirit upon a languishing church. Yeah, he he agrees with me. I'll take that as an amen. Thank you, Jacob. Every temptation, every opposing influence, whether open or secret, may be successfully resisted, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. So there's this tension. We've got to do what only we can do and God will do the rest. We've got to plant the soil. We've got to stir our hearts up. We've got to invest into ourselves and then we've got to, we've got to just say, God, now it's over to you. Let it rain. Rain on the investment that I've put in my life. The latter rain will come and the blessing of God will fill every soul that is pure, purified from every defilement. It is our work today to yield our souls to Christ, that we may be fitted for the time of refreshing from the presence of the Lord, fitted for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When the churches become living, working churches, the Holy Spirit will be given in answer to their sincere request. Then the windows of heaven will open for the showers of latter rain. It's just a simple principle. But I know in my life I have toiled and I have worked hard and I've tried to get into a place where I experience God and I encounter him. And at the end it was all just hard work because I missed the former rain. When I received that former rain and I was baptised in the Spirit, suddenly things started to happen that had never happened before. And my traditions, my the, the box that I'd been put into and squeezed through didn't allow me to embrace those things easily, even though they were there in Scripture in black and white. My tradition and my pride wouldn't allow me to receive those things. And so God said, well, you can keep working hard, Mark, if you want to, but you won't yield 30, 60, 100-fold because you need rain. You need spiritual rain. You can't get spiritual rain. God gives it. It's his grace upon us. We can't work it out. 
We just have to open our hearts and receive it. Then when there's the moisture in the soil of our hearts, when the presence of God is there, the rest of it just flows because we're flowing. And the Bible talks about the analogy of, of being ankle deep in the river of God and then being up to our knees and then being up to our hips and our waist and then being up you know, to our shoulders and then in over our head. God wants us all in over our head out of our comfort zone, knowing that this is something I can't do. I cannot make it rain. I can stand out in a paddock and I can scream at God to make the heavens open, but it's by his grace. And by his grace, he said, anyone who believes shall receive rivers of living water. Does that make sense? Because otherwise there's no life. It's just religion. It's just rules. It's just hard yakka. But God wants us to minister and flow out of the grace of his spirit. He's noisy today, isn't he? He's having a good time. Does that make sense? Does it make sense? If we don't do it out of the spirit, there'll be no spontaneity. We'll come here and we'll all be deadpan and we'll be struggling to encounter God because there's no freshness. There's no life. We need that life. It's the only way to do the Christian life. And that's what Paul wrote to the Galatian church about. He said, look, who, who bewitched you guys? Where did you go wrong? You started out in the spirit and it was spontaneous and there was life in that city and people were getting saved and people were getting healed and there was the, the obvious presence of the spirit of God. And then he starts writing to them about how they're sowing into the flesh now and they're stuck in traditions. He said, who bewitched you? Like... Where did you go wrong? Go back to the spirit. Go back to life. Go back to the fullness of God's anointing because that's where God's at work. That's where the life is. That's where the river flows. I think you get the point. So my prayer for us as a church is that we're a church where there's life and these will be the signs that will follow them. They'll stand in church on Sunday morning and look at the white screen and hope that something happens. These will be the signs that will follow them. They will speak in new tongues. They will pray for the sick and they might get healed. They will drive out demons. If the Spirit of God is in our midst and he's free to do what he wants to do, then all those things will happen. The gifts of the Spirit will function and flow. That's how we test whether there's life in our midst. That's, that's my score sheet. So where there's gifts of tongues, where there's healings, where there's words of knowledge, where there's prophecy, where there's things that are not coming from us but are coming from God through us, that's how I measure the health of our church. That's how I measure my own health. Because if it's just stuff I'm conjuring up, then it's just coming from the heart of a man. If it's imparted from God in and through us and out and over, then it's God speaking. It's God moving. It's God's word. It's not Mark Wilson's word to the church. It's God's word through Mark to the church. And we need God to be moving through each and every one of us so the collective streams that we have flowing out of our hearts become this dynamic river. Does that make sense? We need a church that's alive, and the only way to be alive is to be full of the Spirit. And so I want to encourage you this week, open your hearts to God, to let him do a new thing. It's not a competition.
It's not a who has and who hasn't because it's supposed to be all of us experiencing God. And I think for so long in the church, we've, we haven't had an open atmosphere where we allow the body to express itself. We need to rediscover that, and it's a difficult thing to do because we're breaking off tradition, we're breaking off the old ways of doing things, and we so often look to the leader to have all the answers. I don't have the answers. I don't. I can teach you the knowledge that I have stored up in my head and the heart, but I can't pour out God's spirit over you. I can't heal anybody. It's got to be God in us. If I don't have that life, you should be asking questions about whether I'm the right leader. Seriously. We get to the end of this year and we're not a church that's growing in God. If the gifts of the Spirit aren't increasing, if there's not the signs of God in our midst and that life, then you should be asking questions about your leadership. You should be. Don't settle for anything but God's best. And God's best is for every man, woman and child to know the Spirit of God, to know the unction of the Spirit, to know the spontaneity of the Spirit. And we're so trapped in traditions. We're so dry and parched because we've been squeezed through religious moulds that anybody that comes in here that's got life, we often go, oh, they look a bit extreme or they're a bit vibrant. They're a bit charismatic. They're a bit excited. And we want to shut them down. Don't we? We get a bit intimidated by people that are on fire. But isn't that, isn't that what we want? Or am I losing the plot? And so we, we're, not trying to, we're not trying to orchestrate things. We're not trying to make people do things that, you know what I mean? It's not, it's not a works program. It's stepping back from our striving and it's just soaking in the rain that has already been promised to us, that has already been poured out, that is every man, woman and child's inheritance in God. And if you don't feel full of the Spirit, then go on a journey to get there. That's all anybody can do. Ask God, Lord, what's in my heart that might be preventing your spirit from really having lordship over my life? What tradition is there that needs to be broken? What stronghold is there that needs to be rooted out? God's not going to do that for you. You and I have to take responsibility for the hardness of our heart and deal with it before God. And he promises that when we do that, he'll reign. He'll wash the sin away. He'll renew us. He'll break the strongholds. He'll bring us through to a place where our Christian walk is energised and it's vibrant and worship is not dry. It's exciting. But you know what happens? If you come on Sunday and you're alive in the Spirit and you come along and you're alive in the Spirit and you come along and you're, you're alive in the Spirit and she comes along and she's dead, she's in trouble. Because your life and your life and your life are going to intimidate her, but it's also going to flow over to her. So if you all come in here on a Sunday morning expecting God to move, I'm not talking about something that we have to hope for. Baptism in the Spirit, life in the Spirit, gifts of the Spirit are not something I have to hope for. We have to think that we have been assured of these things. No more, God, I hope he gets healed. No more, God, I hope. It's a promise. Staked on God's reputation. God will not be mocked. These are the laws, the principles, the truths. Worship me in spirit and in truth and the riven waters that I will give to you, says Jesus. You'll never run dry. You'll never go thirsty. So I don't know where we go from here.
other than I know we need to be a church that has life. And for a church that has life, every individual has life. Now, don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying we're a church that doesn't have life. I'm saying there's more. There's more for every one of us. I'm not saying here, I'm standing here this morning with a bag full of 100% of God's gifting and his power and his authority. I've got a lot of growing to do. There's still things in my heart that I've got to root out. But I know that I don't have to strive when I'm soaking in God. I know that that journey is so much easier when the Spirit of God is flowing. So I want to give you all permission to flow in the Spirit. I want to give you an invitation to come in here next Sunday morning with your hearts expecting God to move. And if we bring that collective expectation, that collective anticipation that God is going to move and a readiness of our hearts to respond to God in whatever way he chooses, I guarantee you this place will go off like a cracker. Because God's in control. You're not waiting for poor old Mark to sit in his study to have some revelation to come here on Sunday morning and go, I wonder what smart thing I can say this morning so everyone goes, oh, wasn't that nice? Wouldn't it be far better if a little 12-year-old kid got up here and just shared God's heart and we all just went, wow, there's not much more to say, is there? Praise God. (laughs) Because that's really what God wants. He doesn't want a clergy. He wants people that are alive, every one of us, with the gifts that we bring and the power that we bring because of Jesus in us, his spirit in us. Why don't we pray? Thank you, Lord. Lord, I'm sorry if I got to be excited this morning, but I don't want to settle for anything but your best. And if that means, God, we've got to strip down things that we've done for generations, if that means we've got to look hard into our own lives and question where we're at and where we're going, then, Lord, so be it. Because we want to be a people that have life about us. We want to be a church where people are are flocking to come because they've heard the reputation of, of God moving, of lives being transformed, of people being healed, of people discovering the power and the authority of God. And, Lord, we don't want to settle for anything less than that. And so, Father, my prayer this morning is just that you will let it rain over our lives. And when it rains, God, we wouldn't be ducking for cover, we wouldn't be hiding, but we'd just be standing, arms wide open, ready for the open heaven to pour out its blessing upon each and every one of us. Lord, we need you. It's just too hard to do this without your presence. It's too hard. Lord, that's why you said don't grow weary in doing good because you know it's hard to be a good man in this day and age. It's hard to live a righteous life. It's hard to stay true. But Father, in your spirit and by your spirit, all things are possible. And so Lord, I want to pray this morning that each and every one of us would deal with our hearts to guard them because they are the wellspring of life. And Lord, out of those hearts, let the river flow. Lord, where there's been blockages, where there's been sin, 
where there's been the besetment of bad habits or bad attitudes, where there's been unforgiveness, any of the things that we've sown in the flesh, God, would you reveal them to us? Holy Spirit, will you show us where we need to do some tilling of our hearts? But Lord, let's do that out of grace, not out of works. Let's do that knowing that you've already defeated every enemy that we have, that you have victory over the world. And that, Lord, you just want us to be sitting at your feet, not working in the kitchen, not rushing around, but at your feet, in your presence, knowing the fullness of God, knowing the freshness of your voice, of your power, right in the moment, every day, alive. Jesus is alive. and We need to be alive. So, Lord, stir us up. Where our hearts have gone cold, set them on fire. Where we've got lost in just the monotony of doing church, Lord, bring a freshness. Where things have gone stale, Father, would you turn, turn our hearts to you. Bring your Spirit's fire. Rain down over us and you. Pour out your anointing, God. Not just for us, not just for us, God, so the world will know. So the world will know the power of the Spirit of the living God. So that this church and every other church of every other denomination will be a place where God is worshipped above all else. But his presence is there and his power is there and his peace is there because his life is there. Lord, we need your life more than anything else. So, Father, I just want to ask this morning that you will come and let it rain on every and any heart that's here this morning, God, that you want to touch, that's willing to take a risk and open their arms and invite you in. Father, would you meet them, refresh them, renew them, touch them, anoint them, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.